play that in my city. Your digs. You might wanna lace your shoes before we catch you slipping. I see motherfuckers out here get up on his pivot. It's a bend, the slang is banging, where the blood are cripping. Step up like a sucker, someone gonna get their licks in. Ain't no lollipopping, we've been molly popping for a minute. We just used to come. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Drink and Discuss. My name is Christine Kim. And I'm Karen Go. And today we have a special guest, uh, my coworker and also a fellow millennial moviegoer, Tafari Duncan. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> awesome. So in today's episode of Drink and Discuss, we will teach you how to mix a simple cocktail, then give you a boozy movie review. The review will be split into a non-spoiler and a spoiler section. So when in doubt, take a look at our show notes. A standard disclaimer, we are not professional mixologists nor film critics. We're just... Two millennials, well, three millennials, trying to get tipsy and talk about movies. This episode, we will be reviewing Blind Spotting by Carlos Lopez Estrada and mix a drink named Hipster Punch. All right, so Karen, what are we drinking today? Um, we're, we're drinking Hipster Punch. Um, so, well, you make this drink by first getting a lot of ice, uh, fill that cup with ice, and then we're going to use broken beer, and in this case, we're using some ale, and we're mixing a bit of ginger ale, and then half a shot of vodka, and then a splash of lemon juice. Yeah, so I think the, I think the, um, chronology is ginger ale first, like half a glass, maybe. (laughs) Beer uh, first, guys. No, no, ginger ale first. <laughs> Don't go overboard with the beer. Actually, it's to go overboard with the beer because you put ginger ale, you put the shot, and then you fill it up with the beer. Brooklyn beer, to be exact, because Brooklyn is Hipster. basically the Oakland of New York. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. Anyway, Safari, what do you think about this drink? Uh, so it's funny. It's like I am not a beer person. I am like, me give me a cocktail. Um at best, like a cider. But this actually is really good. Um, I have, like, two versions. I have one that's, like, <laughs> done properly and one that is, like... Uh, the leftovers? We, yeah, they ran out of ginger ale. <laughs> it yeah. was. And then, so, like, the beer was, like, I'm here. And I was, like, damn it. <laughs> so the the good version is great. And the bad version is bad. So. You can give the bad version to me. <laughs> yeah, because Karen loves beer. I'm uh, I'm with Tafari on this one. I hate beer. Like he said, cider at best. <laughs> Guys, beer first. You and beer. I think um, that splash of lemon juice at the top makes it for me because I do like things to be a little lemony, a little sour. I think that actually draws out the sugary flavor. It does also add on to the summer ale taste. So I would summer say. ale, yeah. So I like it. How about you, Karen? I like it. Yeah. Do you like the beer version better? I do. Do you just want the straight-up Brooklyn beer? I do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we'll move on to the non-spoiler section of the review of Blind Spotting. What is this? Oh, 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 hey, hey, I I would like to get out. Look at this. I'm better one in the glove, though. Yeah. I I ain't trying to go back to jail. $200. Not Colin's gun. Very nice. Oh, I just got an Uber pickup. <laughs> you got it. Is this an Uber? Hell yeah. All right, so this is the non-spoiler review of Blind Spotting. So let me ask you, Tafari, what were your initial expectations before the movie? So, like, 
I, I might have done this wrong. I just like I I really realized recently that I like going into movies um, without really looking at trailers beforehand. Mm. So I think I took it a little bit too far because like <laughs> with this one, I actually had no idea what the movie was about until I like saw the poster and I was like, okay, cool. There's like a black dude and a white dude on the poster, <laughs> and it seems like they're in a um, neighborhood that I guess millennials would describe as up and coming. <laughs> so I was like, okay, might be about that, but I have no idea what this movie will be about, actually. And it was really funny because I got to the theater, and then the theater that I went to was, uh, I think it's called like Village Cinema or something in, in uh, Lower Manhattan, and they this theater was like, all of the trailers they were showing for movies were like really serious, like indie, mo- like, like co- indie commentary movies, mm-hmm. and like that really should have given me like a hint. What was happening. <laughs> oh god! But I was just like, oh wow, like that seems really deep. Oh wow, that seems really deep. Not a lot of comedies here. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then like the movie started, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> that's where we're going. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. I can see. I can see why you might have been surprised <laughs> by that. I think I might have accidentally sold it to you as like a funny movie, but that was me saying that, thinking that you already knew what it was about. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, but it's like, like it oh, has humorous parts so too." She sells anything as a comedy movie. She told me. I thought like, it was funny. She told me I, a sad movie was, you know, a comedy once. Okay, but I only. Tell that to you, Karen, because you hate watching sad movies. She lied. But this movie has charm, I think. But, like, my expectations going in was um, not a comedy, obviously. <laughs> I, I saw the trailer once, actually, right before I watched um, Sorry to Bother You. So, like, it was another, that, like, row of trailers that were about, like, serious indie movies. And um, Blind Spotting was one of them. And I was like, so I knew what, what I was getting into, and I knew the main character, David Diggs, from Hamilton. That was, like, his rise to fame. Uh, so I was pretty excited about this movie. There were still a lot of things that were very unexpected for me in this movie, despite the trailer kind of, like, setting up the premise of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's plenty of surprises there, and I thought... Uh, it was a very good dramedy. Dramedy is that how you say it? dramedy? <laughs> Drama comedy. Um, that's how IMDb actually classifies it. Which reminds me, I forgot to read the IMDb summary, so I'll do that now. Um, the summary on IMDb for Blind Spotting is: While on probation, a black man begins to reevaluate his relationship with his volatile best friend. So that's the very um, simplified description of really this movie, simplified. but. Yeah. One thing one thing to say about not knowing anything about the movie going in though, I respect that and I think that works <laughs> so well for most movies. Like I don't know if you watched the movie Room, but that I went into that movie not knowing anything and I I'm glad I did because if you sometimes if you watch the trailer for a movie it ruins it. Um but Karen, what were your expectations? Um Honestly, I expected a movie about... Well, the trailer, honestly, I think set up... The, like you said, set up the premise of the movie really well. Um, it was about... I, I would say... That's why I'm kind of confused at the IMDb kind of uh, summary. Because I thought the movie was about police brutality. Yeah. But maybe that's just... Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's it's not just me. Um, so I, I got what I um, expected from the movie. 
Uh, but I think the portrayal of the story, the presentation of the story, was was what surprised me. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there was yeah. that in that sense, there's definitely a lot of surprises. Um, yeah, but I I would say that a lot of the ideas presented in the movies aren't in the movie isn't you know uh, I would say new. It's just something that a lot of people should know about that I would say a lot of people mm. don't yet. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so, what were your first initial impressions coming right out of the movie theater? I think it was more. I I mean I I was kind of at a loss for words a little bit. <laughs> Uh huh. Um, I needed a lot more time to process. What One I- sec, guys. <laughs> Tafari just spilled his favorite drink all over himself. Um, I'm actually just gonna pause right here until Tafari comes back with some napkins. <laughs> okay. We're good. All right, we're good. We'll start again. All Tafari's um right. uh, <laughs> made his entrance, let's say, with with the podcast by spil- spilling ice everywhere. But we're all good now. <laughs> um, now he has a bad version. <laughs> now he has the beer. But let's go back to what you were saying, Karen, right. about your first impressions. Um, I think that my first impression in the movie was it was definitely very. Uh, it made a very strong impression. Like it does, it's definitely something you need to kind of digest. Mm-hmm. So, I think I spend a lot of time after the movie just trying to think about the ideas that they were trying to present, mm-hmm. and then kind of, you know, putting them together. Because also trying the, to make sense of it. Yeah, because the presentation, like I said, in the movie is a little different. Mm-hmm. So that made it a little. I think it gave it more to process okay yeah I agree Um, Tafari what did you think coming out of the theater Uh, coming out of the theater so it's funny like I personally right so like I try to limit the amount of like movies that I see that like make me think a lot about the social (laughs) issues of today Um, (laughs) because like I don't understand you guys (laughs) I like the news I feel like Ari does a wonderful job of like providing entertaining value about these things um, and also, like, as an African-American, I'm just, like, I feel like, for one thing for me, it's, like, I'm happy when these movies are made, but, like, at the same time, it's, like, I feel like the people who need to see them never really see them. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's, like, for me, it's, like, oh, another movie, going to watch another movie about, like, the African-American experience, and I'm, like, I'm very aware, aware like, of the know, African-American experience. You know this so experience. I'm, like, like, oh, like, yeah, like, that's right, like, you know, and so sometimes I don't really, but after it, I was, like, wow, like, I really liked this movie, and I feel like there were so many things they tried to do and mm. so many topics and conversations they, like, tried to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I think they, like, I mean, nothing is perfect, but I think they did a really good job. And I was actually really impressed with, like, how many ideas they were able to cover in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And so there's so much to, like, reflect on and so much to think about after the movie um, that I was like, wow, like, that was that was pretty profound. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like, I'm happy I went to see this one. Yeah, so. yeah, I agree with you there. I also think um, it covers a lot of topics, mm-hmm. and it's a really short movie. It's an it's around an hour and thirty minutes. minutes. Yeah, which is a pretty short feature film. Um, and coming out of the theater, I also had a lot to digest because it does, I think, present all those all those themes in a certain manner that makes it maybe a little bit more difficult to remember and digest. But um, one thing that I've had in the last two days since I watched the film two days ago, I could not get it out of my head. Like, 
not just like the themes, the topics, but just like certain scenes. And I thought it was just so masterfully done. And there's a lot of um, elements to this movie that is something that I would just like to sit and watch and just enjoy just like in a loop like over and over again because it's just like such so well written and just so well uh, performed. So I thought it was a overall funny and charming movie, but it does pack a punch. Yeah. Like it has it has both sides of the coin. That's another thing too. Like it just like never stopped. Like, <laughs> yeah. like there was like a, like everything was like oh okay like are you fun you just hang it out and then like they had one moment where you're like oh something's gonna happen <laughs> and then from then on it was just like my heart never like stopped. never stopped and I was mm-hmm. just like <laughs> like I want like I just I wanted time to breathe and they were like nope <laughs> like, you can think you can breathe after you leave <laughs> yes, yes for so. sure that's the best kind of movie like I was gonna say um, this movie feels like a catharsis in a way because it's kind of like we start with something we experience the event with the character protagonist and then we kind of hold our breaths together with the protagonist until the end of the movie mm. which is when he kind of ends up dealing with the issue. Yes, I definitely agree. And I want to talk more about this in spoilers. So let's actually move to our review, the, our spoiler review of Blind Spotting. <laughs> you know, you don't have to act ghetto to hang out here. Can you hear me now? You need to get rid of Miles. Miles, this is my best friend. He's going to put you back in jail or he's going to get you killed. Miles! Don't make me write you up for your last week. The judge will extend your time here a year. That is the life we live in, and if it's since the beginning, and you know we stuck in that soil, loyal. Don't be who you is. So welcome to the spoiler section of our review of Blind Spotting. So we mentioned um, the funny and charming packs of punch where I mentioned that. And I'm just going to go right into it and say that I thought the two main characters, Colin and Miles, their performances were amazing. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned in the um, non-spoiler section that, you know, I expected David Diggs to be great because I know him from Hamilton and I know um, he's a great performer and all that. But the Miles character, Rafael Casal, he was actually David's uh, best friend growing up, like, in real life. And they wrote this together, you know, 10 years ago, and they finally got it made. And Raphael is not actually an actor. I looked him up on Google. He has no other films, no other TV shows, anything like that. He is not even a rapper. He's a spoken po- spoken word poet, which kind of makes sense. But, man, like, in, I've seen interviews with this dude, and he's, like, he looks like the nicest nerd ever. And I'm just like, who is Miles? God, he's so different. Like, that is some really good acting right there. And I just, like, I just have to give a shout-out to this dude for being awesome. <laughs> those grills. Oh, and the grills that he constantly takes off yeah. and puts back on. I just, that's another thing. I just really like the detail mm-hmm. in this movie. There's a lot of great details, um, great scenes. Uh, so what did you guys think? Just like general feedback or review. I think I want to kind of bounce off what Tafari was saying before that the movie packs a lot of ideas. Um, but also, like, because this movie is a 90-minute film, there are a lot of topics that they're trying to talk about in 90 minutes. Mm. And that's why I think partially for me, 
that's why it took so long to digest. Mm-hmm. But also because like they were also presenting it. That's why when you said perform, that was definitely the right term because yeah. a lot of, a lot of the movie was just. At least I think the strongest points in the movie were done through rap. Yeah. And a man, I was sitting there. I'm like, this is great, but I'm only catching about five words <laughs> he's saying at a time. I'm like, okay. And when you told me he was, perf- he he used to be on Matt. He well, he was on Hamilton. I'm like, okay, this is this makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know that that's why he he's doing this. That's why he can do this. Yeah, but this is that's why I kind of feel like I have to go back and kind of watch the movie again with subtitles or like mm. a lot of the subtitles. Or maybe just search read up the, the lyrics on exactly, exactly because there's a lot that they're packing in there. Yeah, that that's really strong, and especially when you perform when you kind of talk about these things through rap, it just packs a stronger punch because you know the rhythm, the music, yeah. the rhyme. You know, it just I think it also makes it more memorable in a way. Mm-hmm. That's why I really kind of. I really like the way they. Well, I like the that they chose rap. Yeah, it's more eye catching, and it's yes, like yes. that's what that's what I was saying about how I can just like mm-hmm. watch these certain scenes over and over. Because <laughs> so my general like movies that I love to rewatch tend to be musicals because I never get tired of them because you could listen to songs over and over, and the, I feel like it's a similar thing with this movie where this movie kind of felt like. More than just packing all these ideas into one movie, but more like a series of vignettes, almost like it was more like a day, an authentic day in the life of these two Oakland buddies. And not all of the scenes kind of like proved a central point, um, but they were all fun and well done in their own way. So it, it felt like more like a series of short videos that kind of had a overall theme instead of being like one entire movie okay yeah i also want to kind of bounce off the idea i'm sorry <laughs> tafari tafari just jump in whenever yeah. <laughs> don't let because i was also going to say that parts of the film was shot like a music video in a way where you had um i think there was one scene where they were moving um furniture from an old house mm. into the move into the truck and it was just uh so miles is just moving the things and packing things consolidating everything in a pile and then Colin is just sitting sitting there and he's like kind of either thinking of rap or rapping but the music is there but he's just sitting there in one spot while you know Miles is moving you know in and mm. out of the shot and it really yeah. reminds you of a music video yeah. but that's where I feel like a lot of, of the film it feels like a music video which is like you said like mm-hmm. you know like short scenes like yeah. a, a bit short bits like or short um, I would say insight into the lives of these yeah. two men. It's like very authentic, but right. it's also. But at the same time, it's also like what Tafari say. It's very evident that you know things never stop for these people, no matter mm-hmm. how ordinary everything is. It just never stops for them because this is their reality. Right. That's exactly what I got from this movie. Yeah. So what do you think? For me, it's really funny because like, so I hate musicals. I will be honest. <laughs> oh no. Um, so like, um, and I'm just sitting here being like, how do I break this? Like. Um, so, like, for me, it's, like, this, like, thing where, like, recently I've, like, warmed up to them as, like, a concept, but for, like, a mm-hmm. child, I was, like, it would always bother me whenever, like, I was in the middle of a movie, and like, something's singing. happening, and they start singing. <laughs> and I've realized that, like, there are two different kinds of musicals. There are good musicals that, like, actually manage to make it a part of the story where you, like, learn mm-hmm. new details and, like, you feel like it's helping you to connect with the characters. Mm-hmm. And there are ones where literally I feel like someone would be, like, I'm sad, and then, like, spend five minutes just singing about sadness and I'm like I got it you said you were sad like I could see that you were sad like for me it's like you couldn't act being sad so you had to sing like you have a great mm. voice but like what's going on is terrible writing 
Um, that's and, I agree with that. Yeah, I, that's so true. like it's like a really bit of them where it's like clearly the writers ran out of ideas and they're like, what if they just sing the plot that we need them to get to? Does that mean you hate all Disney movies as a kid? So Disney movies, <laughs> honestly, um, I would like fast forward through the singing. Oh no, no, that's exactly what I used to think as a oh. child of Disney movies. I'm like, why are they singing? Like, yeah. I know that you're sad. I, I hate, I hate both happy. of you. <laughs> like, I think to be fair, I love musicals, but you know. Do you? <laughs> I like them on Broadway. <laughs> I don't like them in the, you know, yeah. in the movie. But yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, do you want to build a snowman? Classic song. <laughs> but like, release the the EP separate from the movie. That's probably last. Just like a bonus edition. Yeah, you know. Um, but anyway, so like back to this. So it's really funny because for like for me, I was originally just like, what is all this spoken word coming from? Because to me, I was kind of like, whoa, like this is interesting. But like, I wasn't necessarily expecting it. And then, it, like, um, and like towards the end, right when like that whole standoff was happening, mm. part of me was half me was like, "Do we really need to sing right <laughs> now?" Because like, I'm like, I can't like. It, but it was really because like the the emotions that it evoked for me was like half of me was just panicking because like clearly he's like in a whole other mental state right yeah. now. Yeah, like, he's like really like the like like being pushed to this point is like really interesting. Yeah, and then half me is like. Why is he singing? Like, like, <laughs> like, can we just have a conversation? Oh and then I'm like, actually, though, come to think of it, like, this is a really interesting way for like, like, I'm like, I'm like, after I thought about it, I was like, actually, I actually really appreciate like this whole um, flow, especially because like one of my friends was talking about, uh, who I went to see the movie was talking about how he remembered for him like that scene was really interesting because you can juxtapose it with um, when Miles was talking to the guy they're trying to sell the sailboat to, oh, yeah. and it was just like just a flow of words that just made mm. no sense whatsoever. And you were at the end of it, I was like, were any of those words relevant? It's like, absolutely not. They just, he just throws words to add a thing. <laughs> and then compose that with when Colin finally gets his like ability to like speak mm. in like this, this poetic way, his words are like, actually elegant like have a lot of meaning. You probably have yes. a whole class yes. just like deconstructing <laughs> uh-huh. like everything that he says. And like, so I was like, okay, like, wow, like, that's actually a really interesting point. Like, there's definitely something there. So um, so in that respect, I was like, okay, I will give this movie a pass. In my, yeah, a like, pass in musical, your musical. My musical um, <laughs> stuff, because I was like, I totally. Also, because, like, the origins, for me, it, was, it also struck a chord, because it was, like, the origins of hip-hop and, like, rap as, like, a way for people to tell stories mm. about their lives. Mm. And, like, how, like, tragically I've been, like, that's, like, not how it, it totally, like, mm. No, like, most of the current, like, rap, quote-unquote, rap artists, <laughs> like, the songs are completely unrelatable, have nothing to do right. with reality. Champagne. Yeah, just champagne, just, like, everything's hypersexualized, <laughs> like, or just about money. And it's, like, that's not, like, the average, like, American's mm-hmm. lifestyle. Like, mm-hmm. who, like, and I feel like, and so that was, for me, I loved that, like, thinking about the fact that, like, this is, like, the true origins of, like, this, like, of, like, of rap, of, like, spoken word, is, like, being able to tell a story mm. about your life and have someone and to be able to confront an injustice. And to, also, really interesting is, like, so many spoken word poets, like, they'll do spoken word in a way, that, like, they're clearly, like, envisioning talking to someone. <laughs> yeah. But, like, this is literally a moment where, oh, like, like, he's, like actually, he's actually talking yeah. to the person and actually has, like, this a This is, like, the moment that, every spoken yeah. word poet wants. Yeah. And it was, like, so <laughs> There's so many where they'll be, like, I don't know where they are, but, like, I imagine, like, this is what I would say to, to them if you, I ever saw them F again. You. Yeah, to F you. And then literally he's, like, there. And yeah. I'm, like, wow. <laughs> like, so yeah. yeah 
What a scene! I love that analogy that you or like I guess your friend made about the sailboat scene and the the climactic scene because I never thought of that and that's like that's awesome. Yeah. And um, I feel like I had some, oh about the musical point. <laughs> no, but in terms of blind spotting, um, I like that how they incorporated the rap into reality because there's never a moment when they like break out into like. Rap and it doesn't really make sense, kind yeah. of like there was like that whole like you know courtroom scene, but that was a dream sequence. So it's like okay, that's that gets a pass from me, I think. Um, and then the final scene, I think that makes sense because like he, I think at one point he literally says like, I can only rap like I can't even say it like normally because mm-hmm. like you it's like too me. much. Yeah, no, yeah. no, but you won't hear me. Yeah. That was I wanted to bring at that point. He yeah. was, I think he made that. Out of the few words that I caught <laughs> in his rap, I believe he was saying that, you know, you won't listen to me if I say it, so I'm going to rap it to you because that's how yeah. you will hear me. You know, that that point reminded me of, like, as I was, like, listening to that, I was I just, like, immediately thought of um, Childish Gambino's, like, uh, yes, This is America. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I love that song. Oh, but on that point, though, there was another YouTube video that I found called I'm Not Racist. Um, it's, <laughs> it's by this guy, something Lucas. Oh, my God, I can find it. Wait, <laughs> no, but it, the whole the video is, is titled "I'm Not Racist," but um, it's actually because I was actually watching Childish Gambino's um music video, you know, for that song mm-hmm. "This Is America," I believe, mm-hmm. right? And then this is the the video that kind of YouTube just linked me to the next <laughs> video, and I was just like, okay, let me just watch this, and it's basically about well, the video actually starts off of this white man. Just, you know, kind of cursing or, like, rapping at this, you know, other black men about, you know, how they're sitting their jobs or living off, you know, all the all the typical complaints of a white man, right? Mm-hmm. Against a black man. And then, you know, and then I got so angry that I almost wanted to stop the video. I'm like, why why is this, this guy just sitting there letting him yell at him? And then, you know, of course, you know, it was a black man's turn. And then, you know, they, they kind of, like, concluded the video about, you know, we need to know more about each other. But then, like... This was in a way a little bit like that because there and also that video was also about catharsis in a way like you're yelling at each other kind of just getting Ranting. all your points right getting all your points out but in a way that you know they both can understand each other but which is not what's happening in reality I think uh-huh but there's no conversations going right. on it's just like it. a one-sided person just you know just just yelling but there's no it's not a conversation mm-hmm. you can yell at you know a wall and expect an answer. Right. But that's just what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Also, too, like there's also the fact of like w- one thing that um, I thought like I think right. Karen mentioned like about how um, he was like, this is how like you will hear me. It's just to me, like when you said that, I immediately thought about the fact that like when I feel like especially people of color are like, oh, we have issues like tends to go unheeded. But at the same time, like um, there's like a mass like consumption of like media that people of color produce especially mm-hmm. in the sense of rap and so it's like when a black person goes oh like i would really appreciate it if you guys would like you know not choose in the streets no one wants to talk to them or hear about that but if they write a song about it suddenly everyone wants to hear the yeah, rap song cool because rap like, is cool yeah. but people don't also listen to the lyrics of the songs mm-hmm. like, the number of times i've been in a club and like this is america came on and i was like wait wait, wait. <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, really? Like, can we talk about, like, what's <laughs> happening right now? Like, That's this, literally, like, 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 against, like, the values yeah, of the song. and I'm like, I, like, I love dancing. Like, I love going out <laughs> clubbing, and I love partying. But being at a club, listening to the EDM remakes of This Is America, <laughs> da- like, when I'm, like, very aware that, like, I'm one of the few people of color, let alone black people, in the entire room. 
And I'm just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> that is so ironic. And then people are dancing and like Crazy. singing like the lyrics, like not any like of the, you know, like avoiding like the N word and stuff, but I'm just like, <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm the like. The whole point is like, pass the whole over, point yeah. just like misses over. And it was actually funny because, too, like, the DJ who did it, at first I was like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Not to get off track. But later I figured out this DJ in particular was black after, like, I wanted to see who this DJ was. Who was the boss <laughs> I was going to ask yeah. you. And then I was like, whoa. And then he was just like, I'm making a statement. I'm just playing music I want, I think people should listen to. And I was like, okay, totally fine. But I thought about it. I was like, there are definitely other places where, like, this would happen. And it's, like, mm. a white person or someone mm-hmm. else who's just like, no, I just like the song. Like, yeah. why is that a bad thing? It's like, that's a whole conversation. Yeah. And it's like, so, like, so for me, so that. You can't say that about this song. You cannot say that there are you, gunshots in this there song. There's always, a, there's always a way. And so, like, in this, <laughs> this particular instance, bringing you back to the movie, mm-hmm. is really interesting to think about because it's like, like, that's like truly, I guess, like, the only way you can kind of get through to people is try mm. to produce a song that, because, like, because that's all that white people tend to listen to. Like, yeah. everyone in America, for some reason, listens to rap, <laughs> but none of them seem to understand or have any interest in listening to black people just talk to them yeah so like we literally have to rap at them which <laughs> is also why it's like so devastating to me to watch the decline of like hip-hop and rap music today because mm-hmm. it's like there used to be a forum for discussing issues but now when someone tries to use it as that way like it was a huge like oh like, like there was a whole like when beyonce put out formation and everyone was like essentially like, did you know beyonce is black like like, oh, God. she's not producing music for us? Like, how dare she? Yeah, and then I, I, I heard like, about that. What is this song? Like, who is he talking to? Like, is it not <laughs> us? Like, And it's like, actually, like, it kind of is you, too. But, like, the point is, like, you need to listen to the words <laughs> yes, of people yeah. when they're talking to you. And so, like, yeah. So, that's what I was going to say. Oh, my no, God. No, but I think that's a fair point because I'm one of them who don't who don't listen to the lyrics. Like, I'm I can't. Of rap songs. Well, I guess of songs, period. Most you don't really need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because most I don't really need to. But, you know, it's that really surprised me. Childish Gambino, you cannot avoid that song. Like I said, there are gunshots in that song. Like, how do you, do you just ignore what you hear? I mean, like, a lot of people sing words because it sounds cool. Yeah. 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 As long as it sounds cool and edgy and people are like, oh, man, I'm so edgy for singing this kind of thing. You know? Um... <laughs> but um, one thing I actually wanted to mention about that climactic scene in Blind Spotting is um, I really love that detail where they left the door open and it was beeping like the security alarm yep. and they like kind of set the beat for like the monologue mm. and like I don't know I just love details like that and honestly my like the hair salon scene the <laughs> sailboat scene the dream sequence like all of them were amazing and I wish there were clips on YouTube. Obviously, there's not, but I wish there were so I could just listen to them. Um, the hair scene, the hair, um, I, I have a quick point actually about the hair, the hair salon scene, um, which is funny because, like, I don't know if this was their original point, but, like, for me, it was interesting because, like, especially living in New York, one of the things that I thought about a lot, actually, I actually remember my original point and then explain how I got to this, what uh-huh. I was saying. But, um, so, for me, like, when I looked at that scene, I didn't, like, what I saw was, like, I thought it was really interesting that, like, Miles, like, said, like, oh, like, this is helping to get, like, ex-convicts, like, set up and, like, also, like, get this kid into private, or, like, get this kid into, like, a nice daycare. But I was, like, but, like, actually, though, like, he's not wrong. And, like, if he had yeah. just said that, like, yes, maybe they would have, like, felt for his kid. But, like, um, 
I feel like especially in like most most American society, like if you just say like, oh, like this is for an ex-convict, like people will have mixed mixed uh-huh. opinions. Especially if the ex-convict comes to you and no, oh, that's the thing. If the ex-convict comes to you and says, I need, I would like money to be able to do this, mm. most people won't trust them. Mm-hmm. But if you put like an organization in front yes. of it and say, give this organization that helps the ex-convicts, people will assume that the organization will do better, mm. even though they might have no context or no. Because like no one goes and looks up to see like what this organization is or what they yeah, do, but they're fine giving money. Most charity organizations are scams, yeah. honestly. And so like I was like, that was so interesting to me as a concept because for me, like especially living in New York, one of the things I've struggled with so hard living here. Here, is just being like, what do I do when someone approaches me on the street and yeah. says like, do you have any money? Yeah. And I'm just like, and I don't know, like I, I like sometimes I give the money, sometimes I say I don't, even though I know I do, and it's because of like these biases that I have. But if someone was coming to say, oh, like donate to support the homeless, I don't even, I don't really check what organization it is, mm-hmm. but I'm fine doing it. And it's like that, I feel like is like a really interesting like issue that just, I don't know if it's an American issue or society issue. But, like, that conversation in itself was one that, for me, I was, like, re- reflecting on. Because also, like, with that, too, like, one of the things I remember, really quick point, is that I remember reading an article. I forget who wrote it and what it was called. But basically, <laughs> it was about the idea that, like, um, that like it's not just a black and white issue of, like, do you give money to a homeless person because, like, you think they might go and use it to drink. Like, the article is essentially saying, like, what does it matter if to you if they want to go use that money for alcohol? Like mm-hmm. if you were living that life, living on the streets, like potentially with, you know, a number of illnesses, like God knows what are the disabilities, like and living a really hard life, if you would like to be drunk, like that's your right. You should be yeah, able to do that. And no one life. should prevent you from if that helps you can do the other day. So like that was one thing. And then it was like with that, like if you are in a situation like where you're struggling and trying to better yourself and people are belittling you by assuming that you won't spend the money correctly and they're giving mm. you food. Like, especially if you, you could have God knows what issues that you just need to spend $5 to get some medicine or something, but you don't mm-hmm. want to talk to people about right. it. You know, and they're like, oh, no, no, I don't trust you. Here's a cheeseburger. Ugh. I was like, that's so condescending. And it was just like, I've never thought about the other side of that. Like, yeah. as a kid, I was always just like, don't give them money because right. they're going to have alcohol. But I never thought about, like, what that must be like for them. And so to me, like, backing that up, I was just like that whole like for me that that one specific scene just set up a whole bunch of things for me. Where I was like, would they have? They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. Why is it that they feel more comfortable in the in the salon giving money to like the an organization to the cause? Because mm-hmm. like clearly most of them were like, I don't know if he's actually doing this, but like I can get on board with that because you know yeah. whatever. But if you just been straight with them, like it wouldn't have been as effective. Right. So right. I don't know. That's a really interesting point. That's not something that I thought of when I watched that scene, but that is very relevant, especially for us living in a big city with, um, like, and that really sets the line between charity and, like, beggars, right? And most people don't even give a second glance to people who are, like, begging for money. Um, And that's another good point you bring up from the article is, like, because you gave someone $1, do you really get to dictate how they spend it, right? Like... That's a good point. Um, what were you going to say? I was going to say on the label, I was watching um, an episode of John Oliver um, because I'm a fan of him. Um, he was talking about the label um, ex-convict, right? Mm. Oftentimes, like, you know, when you're applying for a job or something, all you say is, oh, were you ever convicted of a felony yeah. or a crime? Right. Even just renting it's a check mark. too. Right. It's a check mark. There's no context. Yeah. There's no context, no explanation of anything. What have you done? Nothing. Mm-hmm. So everybody has the option to just think the worst of you. 
Um, and that's the problem, I think, with, you know, kind of giving money to when you're facing kind of an ex-convict, so to say. You're thinking the worst of this one person. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And then when you're kind of like separated by an organization, you're like, okay, well, the organization will make the best decision for people who deserve this money. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, that's what Definitely. I'm thinking. That's yeah. why people would be more willing to give to the organization because they're thinking that, okay, they can make good decisions. They can, like, vet out the right. real, like... The, the people who need it, the people, people who are going yeah. to make the best use of the money. Mm. Which I think, kind of, to be fair, is kind of what most people are thinking when you kind of give money to people on the streets. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I made money. Um, it's hard money that I earn. Like, why should I give to someone to buy a drink? You know? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, again, like, you're not thinking about the other per- person's side of the story, which is what you guys brought yeah. up. And that's honestly, um, like, one of the many themes that the movie touches on is, like, this label of ex-convict and how, in America, that is, like, very related to race. Like, for example, Miles and Colin were both beating up this guy. And honestly, I think that story that that random guy also I love that sequence when the guy was telling the story of how how, (laughs) I've been loving that guy since Pitch Perfect (laughs) that was awesome kind of reminded me of like those sequences in Ant-Man when when the sidekick oh my god I love that wait yeah I love that guy anyways um, great storytelling great sequence but like also there's like a shred of doubt because it, it is like a third person telling the story and like you don't know how it actually happened you just know what he told us right. so in my own interpretation I think and based on like what the characters say later on I think what Collins says to Miles maybe um, it seemed like Miles was really the one who was like instigating this and like mainly beating up this dude this hipster dude um, but Colin was the one that got convicted and is now labeled an ex-con, right? And that's like a very race-related issue in America. And related to that is um, the the guy who got shot in this movie. I forgot his name, but which is also pretty damn interesting. But um, I was watching this performance at Comic-Con regarding this movie um, with the V. Diggs and Rafael Casal. They did a spoken word performance um, to promote this movie, basically. And everyone should go to YouTube and search this up and watch it because it was an amazing video and amazing spoken word. But there's this one line they say where, how perfect does a black boy have to be before we mourn him? And I was reading some, like, background on how this movie got made. And apparently in the original screenplay, they 10 years ago, right, when they first wrote it, they had a scene where there were people in the streets, like, protesting about this guy getting killed when he was unarmed, like, stuff like that, right? Um, but they, there are, like, changing political climates, right? And 10 years later, they decided that to take that scene out. Um, because now what happens is that this has become this has always been really such a common occurrence and now we have to like people are tending to choose who to mourn who to like you know support and if you see in one scene of this movie you see the news are um newscaster saying that this guy who got shot um he's an ex-convict so it's like oh there's no protest protest because he's not perfect enough for people to you know, be sad that he got just literally shot down in the street, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that really re- uh, reminds me of a lot of real-life events that's happened. Like, sometimes 
Uh, people die by police, and they're like, "Well, he did do this one bad thing back in tenth grade, in this like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> one second." And it's just like, how perfect does a person have to be, right? And I thought that was a really good point the movie made, and a very str- one of the strongest points.、Um, I actually want to bring up a different point. So this movie talks, I think, well, one of the most important character I would say is Val, who really, who Miles. Calls a bitch all the time, <laughs> but in a sense, though, is she, she she has her own stance. I don't think she's a bitch, but we this is all about. I think she plays a big role in the topic of identity.、Mm-hmm. She's always telling Colin to be a different person, to be more accepted. You know, to to you know, don't have dreads. Uh, have a I don't know what a a different haircut. You know,、mm-hmm. to be more presentable in a way. To not be who he is, you know, growing up in the streets of Oakland, and and in another in a different sense, like Miles, right? He's just he's a he's always kind of he's a white man who grew up in a as a minority in a black community. So、Before. in a sense, yeah, right. So he's always been an outsider. So in a sense, it's kind of funny because I guess Colin is trying to give up his I guess、uh, heritage in a way to kind of fit in with the. They want to be each other. Exactly, and I think that's really evident in what Val keeps telling Colin to do, and especially in the hipster in the hipster party scene. <laughs> and like when when literally all Miles had to do was just change his shirt, wear a shirt that fits him. I guess probably take off his grills, and <laughs> he shares the same tattoo with the. Or maybe guy who just posts. like don't care about this stuff. <laughs> and exactly, and then he'll fit right in at the party. And like meanwhile, I mean, but that's the thing. He, you mean Miles? Yeah, Miles doesn't want to fit in. Exactly, but he will fit right in. So all of his efforts to be someone who he isn't, in a sense, is just that breakable, that fragile. Because、mm-hmm. that's just all it takes—a different shirt, <laughs> not wearing grills. <laughs> Even his tattoo doesn't mean anything because that hipster guy has it, <laughs> right? And then meanwhile, you know, like Colin and his friends are just sitting there, like. No matter how hard they try, they always feel like an outsider. Yeah, because you're always trying to be someone you're not. Yeah, in that like argument scene with Colin and Miles, it was it was I think like the main point was like they want to be each other, and that's just like so screwed up in a way.、Um, also about Val, I thought she was like a pretty weak character. I don't know, like I get why she was there. I get what they're trying to show with her, but also like she didn't. Really do much as like as a general like plot device, so I don't know. I thought she just did a lot to kind of that, and I guess in terms of the identity issue, because she she is that's why that's why Colin thinks that she's a good person, but called but like Miles thinks that she's a bitch <laughs> in a way, like because she's trying to make Colin in Miles' I guess point of view someone who Colin isn't,、mm, mm-hmm. but in Colin's point of view, he's just trying to better himself. Right, right, that's how I put it. But also, don't forget too. Like, I feel like part of it is that like, Colin comes back and like he sees this like woman who he used to love, like who I still still loves,、mm-hmm. um, and like she's like clearly like in the time that like he's been in prison, like done a bunch of like self like、um, I feel or like in my opinion, it seemed like she had done like a bunch of self like revelation or self thought, and was like, you know what, like I need to get out of here. I need to like get my life in order. So she's like, I feel like that was what they're trying to punch. They were trying to get across the whole like she's like studying for this、yeah. exam and like all this stuff. And like seems to me that like I feel like Colin almost feels like 
everyone in his like world is like stuck in his world, like in that mm. world. And she's like Freaking the only out. person who seems to be like actually trying to make moves to like get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because like, but like part of it was like her response to him wasn't like, oh, like, like we can try to get like you should try to study for something and like maybe get like a degree. Um, per se, it was more like you need to completely redesign yourself <laughs> to like also follow this method I'm mm. that I'm doing. And uh, that was really interesting because it like represents, I feel like a really big struggle that a lot of people have because it's like, is it possible? I feel like one of the like the undercurrent themes of the movie was like, is it really possible for him to like stay himself, like true to himself, and like succeed by like you know like Western standards mm. or whatever that means, mm-hmm. where like he can feel like he's like like growing and like being able to provide and like do all these things for his family and life, and that's like really interesting because I feel like that's a lot a struggle like a lot of yeah, for like, sure. Be, but like honestly, people, but I mean especially minorities have where it's like. Like, you'll look around, and, like, you'll be, like, everyone in my hometown is, like, on a completely different, like, level mindset, everything that I am. And, like, I'm doing things my way. And, like, I mean, I've, I've experienced this myself where I'm just, like, like, not even really bringing race into it. Where I'm just, like, people that I went to school with, and, like, we're all on different levels. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, I'm doing my thing. But, like, going back to them, it's, like, how do I figure out how to, like, to, like, share, like, not like the wealth per se, but like like the like, I don't know. Like it's like, like it's weird because like I feel like you kind of feel like you're on like a high horse, being like, oh, like, I need to get everyone up to my level. Mm. But it's like in the process of you trying to do that, like it can come off as like super condescending, right, right. and like you don't want to walk in and be like everything about you is wrong, which is kind of how <laughs> Val is approaching yeah. it. Um, and you need to just become this other person to like be able to succeed. Because like essentially, like, they didn't really say it, but, like, what she was asking him to do was aspire to whiteness, essentially, where it yeah, was, exactly. like, and so, like, it was just, like, okay. that was one of the things where I was, like, can he be happy and can he be successful without, like, having to do that? Mm-hmm. And the movie didn't really answer that question because they were honestly, in my, I feel like, kind of busy doing a bunch of other things. Yeah, <laughs> there was I a like, lot of questions. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like they kind of had a habit of being, like, this is an issue. We're going to talk about this other issue. Yeah. But think about that issue. <laughs> exactly. And then they would move on. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> 90 minutes, they, they talk about a lot of things. Yeah. But, you know, that's <laughs> that's why it was so hard to digest. But I also want to say that they kind of did answer that question in a way. Because Colin's friends who were in that party, I would say they successfully gave up whatever they had to give up to fit in in the Western community. You mean like the two black friends? The two black friends in the hipster party. Right. They kind of, they they did that. Like, were they happy? We don't really know. But did they feel out of place still? Yes. Mm. So in a sense, is that an answer? I don't know. But... It's not perfect is definitely what this movie is trying to say. Yeah, I think in terms of Val, it's just more like there's a line between um, just bettering yourself in terms of like maybe education or like dreams or whatever. And there's like aspiring to be something you're not and something you shouldn't be aspiring towards. Like, you know, you shouldn't have to change your hairstyle to get a job, you know, and I don't know where that line is. The movie obviously doesn't answer where that line is. And it's it's a conversation, right? Um, and it's the line's always going to be changing, I think. Um, but that's an interesting point as well. Do you guys have any other points you wanted to talk about? Um, I also kind of want to bring up, like, when they kind of compare Miles and Colin together. 
they kind of talk about the self-fulfilling prophecy that a lot of them are forced into. And it's kind of funny because Miles is the best example of this because he's trying to be, I guess, a macho man in a black community. He's he's doing all of these. He's picking fights that he didn't have to. He's he's wearing girls. He's looking like the person he's supposed to, the, the, the tough guy, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like he's not getting any consequences for it, right? But, like, you know, that's kind of what's expected of him in this community. But that's mm-hmm. also kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that, you know, the society is forcing on a lot of black men. And even though Colin is trying to break out of it, he gets punished for it, even though he, you know, in the fight that kind of led him to go to jail, he, I guess he was part of, he did beat up the the, the guy. But, like, he wasn't the guy who kind of really instigated everything. Mm. Yeah, so it's like... So, how how guilty do you have to be? It comes back to that, I right. think, right? And also, like, why are we kind of... Why are we expecting them to commit the crime as yeah. a society? I mean, yeah, just, like, in general, like, I think same for Miles and Collins both. Like, the people they turned out to be, it's... A lot has to do with their upbringing and their community. Like, they grew up, um, I'm guessing, just, like, their family was just as poor as they are now, and didn't have much luck with careers and all that stuff as much as they are now. And, like, it's really hard to get out of if you're mm-hmm. stuck in the community. And, like, just as a kid, too, like, you saw how hard Miles and um, his, his wife, Ashley, how hard she was trying to get her kid to right. go to this, like, better school that was further away because this community school is, like, un- probably terribly underfunded and, like, just a terrible education right and like so you can never really break out if you don't have the resources right and even though like he she's trying at the same time she has to deal with the fact that her kid is in danger like Mm -hmm. mortal danger you know so like that's why kids have to learn how to say oh don't shoot oh you know what kills me also that kid is so so cute cute. (laughs) exactly he's so cute he's so cute saying that those words and i'm just like what did he just say (laughs) you know Yeah. yeah but it's like also how is it? How do you expect them to be successful when this is when we're the society is expecting them to fail? Mm-hmm. You know, it's unfair in that sense. Also, too, like one of the things that like I definitely want to mention is like I didn't think about it till the end of the movie. I was like, wait, like they're literally like movers who are like moving like people out of their homes, um, and then moving all of these other people in, and it was just like they're like literally just like watching gentrification happen and like yeah, assisting in the process yeah. and also the, the the dramatic irony to me of the fact that like both of them like right are like arguably like bottom barrel of the society that they're in and like that often like it's people who like the community people who are in the community who are like struggling the most who in some ways have to like enable the gentrification that's happening mm. because like that's the only job they can yeah. get yeah like the all the only job we get was as a mover and he's literally moving people out of their homes. Like, oh, like, I remember those that family. Oh, I remember that house. I remember that place. And then moving these random people in and being like, I have no idea what they're doing here. But like, okay. Yeah. And that's just like, and like, that was just really like, like a, like a really interesting thing for me to just like reflect on. Um, so I, just, I definitely just wanted to mention that, that point as well. Yeah. Um, like, I think Karen mentioned earlier that um, scene when Miles and Colin were like, piling all this like trash in the house like into the pile and like basically what was happening is like a black family used to live here like yeah i guess like one of the oakland natives but they had to move out because it was like probably the rent was probably getting too high or something and this 
this white lady comes in and it's like she's like oh I'm gonna fix this all up just like throw out everything it's fine and it's just like that's what gentrification is really like kicking out people who live there and making it unaffordable for people to stay there and I find I don't know I find the the hipsters really ironic because like for I don't know for how much they're supposedly care for the neighborhood they're not really doing much to help with it like he's just the, the hipster the guy who was hosting the party was like oh I'm part of Oakland now this is my home <laughs> but like what are you doing to this community really really it's it kind of brings me back to the charity point because it's all about the show right like I'm sure the hipsters would love to be like oh I donate to this like ex-con rehabilitation charity and like all this stuff and I'm such a good person and I'm vegan and all that but then yeah they wouldn't you know if they see like um, a black beggar on the street, they probably just be like, "Why is this person in my neighborhood?" You know, like, and that's the duality of like the bourgeoisie, I guess. <laughs> but it's also really funny because like that point in particular too is really interesting because like the number of times like I've encountered someone who's like, "Oh yeah, like you know, like I'm pro environment and like everything and like all this stuff," but like they somehow miss like the other half of that where it's like. Yeah, like, the, the it's not just, like, the environment and, like, yeah, it's great that you're vegan and all, but, like, <laughs> what about, like, like you know, like, minority communities and, like, the stuff that, like, you're enabling by, like, living in this space and, like, doing mm. all this stuff. And then they're, like, oh, you know, and, like, they have this, like, dramatic reaction. Like, like, well, like, I support this, I support this, I support this. And it's, like, for me, it's, like, like, that is really interesting to me it's just, like, as, like, a thought process because it's just, like, there are so many people who feel like, I feel like, I don't know. I've, one thing that I really find interesting is that, like, a lot of, like, um, I feel like minority communities, I've noticed, like, uh, tend to make fun of people who say that they're vegan, which is really <laughs> interesting because it's, like, on paper, like, it's great that you're supporting the environment and yeah. you're supporting things. But I think part of the point that, like, people who are vegan, like, are people who feel like they're being attacked miss is that it's not so much that they're commenting, I feel like, on, and this is mostly speaking from my interpretation, um, like, it's not so much the commenting on the fact that you saying you're, like, that you are living this, like, healthy lifestyle or doing all these things is bad. It's not so much that. It's more the fact that, like, a lot of the times, like, people feel like because they are doing that, that gives them the moral high ground yeah. to mm-hmm. then judge other people for, like, a variety of circumstances that they don't even really understand why they're living that circumstance. You can't, like, because like, you're judging someone, going, oh, like, they eat me, they live this lifestyle. But then you go into, like, Look at like how much it costs to live like a yeah, super yeah, organic exactly. lifestyle. It's that's like that's exactly. not sustainable for mm-hmm, you. Exactly. Can't go to a, you know the grocery store and be like, oh, like my food stamps. I would like to purchase like <laughs> an entire like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and feed like a family uh-huh. of five. And then people will say, oh, well, like it's it is possible to do that. And it's like yeah, but like like communities aren't really educated on like how to do that because they have other things they're trying to do. Yeah, you can't expect you like, have to survive first. Yeah, so you, know, you, you can't, can't really. And then also, like, people have cultures and they have all the things that you have to consider. You yeah. can't just kick someone's door down and be like, stop eating meat, stop doing all these things that you've, like, done for forever. Look, this is a better way to live. And, like, well, like, this is a part of my heritage. Like, I have, I don't, yeah. like, you know, yeah. it's not just, yeah. mm-hmm. so, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, if you're a vegan, I think that's great, honestly. <laughs> but, like, you can't pretend you're better than everyone else. Right. And you can't pretend that everyone has the same opportunities and the resources as you do. Um, Not to say, I think vegans, you know, keep doing your thing. Yeah, no, I think veganism is great. Like, personally, <laughs> but just, like, I just wanted to mention that. I was just, like, like just focusing on that specific example. Like, yeah. I just yeah. That. that reminded me of something I've seen, um, like, an idea I've been seeing circulating. But, like, 
that's the thing. It's like hipsters and poor communities. They tend to do similar things, but then ones looked down upon and ones not. For example, if hipsters、um, or like middle class people take, you know, their bikes to work instead of driving a car, it's like, oh, you're saving the environment. How nice! But then when poor people take bikes to work because they can't afford a car, it's like they're just poor. You know, like it's it's looked down upon, and there's so many instances like that. When you look at poor people, like they, you know, save all these, you know, old containers. For example, my family does that. <laughs> But like, you know, reusing all these stuff that you could have easily thrown out. Like if a if um you know like I guess a millennial like yuppie like myself, if I do that, that's like being like, oh great, you're saving the environment using less plastic. But If that's just like what you have to do to survive, if you don't have money, so like I don't understand why there's this duality of like it's great if you have money and you choose not to do it, but then it's bad if you're saving the environment by proxy. I don't know.、Mm. Interesting point. But、um, do you guys have anything else to say? I was gonna say that in the last scene, I just I I had not realized that the beeping door. Um, on the, the alarm、mm. on the door was setting the beat to the rap that comes later on.、Uh, I literally thought that someone was gonna crash in and, and like you know、oh, and yeah, get Colin. Police to show up. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh wait, they're gonna say that Colin's stealing something and go back to jail. This、yeah. is what that alarm is. <laughs> that's that's、yeah. what I was like. I was like waiting for it the whole time,、uh, and then looked at the picture and I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, that's why the whole time like that was happening, like he was walking in, and now like he was the last one to go in there. I'm like, oh、yeah. no, oh no, <laughs> he's the last one left in there.、So、he's supposedly he's not wearing that uniform. He's not、yeah. wearing that jumpsuit. Yeah, he's not he wearing the uniform. He must be stealing something.、Yeah. They must think he's stealing something. Man, like, yeah, the entire、fine. time Colin had had Miles's gun on him, I was just like tense. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, someone's gonna find that he has a gun and that's gonna break his probation and like you know.、Uh, yep. That was weird too. Like I just thought that like the movie did like a lot of like redirection where like I feel like they really made you think something else was gonna happen,、mm. and then they were like something else happens. But also this is a really intense point.、Um, but I was like that was one of the things I thought was just really interesting. It was just like I felt like like because like that whole scene I was like confident that like the cop was gonna be like like hey what's up and then he's like gonna be like is this a gun on you? I thought actually that that was gonna be when he saw. The other cop, and I was like waiting for that, like the cop that that like like arrested him to actually be the guy who shot the other guy, and、mm-hmm. I thought they were gonna have like some kind of conversation there,、mm-hmm. and I was expecting like if I had written the movie, that's how it would probably happen, <laughs> where like potentially the best case scenario would have been that like the cop would have felt guilty about what he did earlier, and then like let him go. Mm. And then that would have caused Colin to have like some future struggle as well to be like, how do I deal with the situation of what just happened,、um, where like the guy tried to give me a nice gesture personally,、mm. and like I was curious to see how that was gonna go. And then the cop drove away, and I was like, well, okay, not we're not going there, but we're just talking about how like in general people are objectified for no reason, yeah,、um, which is still fine, but like, yeah. So. I also want to bring up another point.、Um, they they start off so the the movie starts off with the last three days of his probation,、mm-hmm. and I I think for the last two days I'm not sure about the first day, but it just it just starts with the same scene 
of um, Colin jogging in the the same place in the same shirt in the I'm looking at his sweat like his sweat patch I'm like to see if that's like I was wondering if that's because I was like if it's filmed at the same time (laughs) probably I mean yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I was just like okay oh so but I think all of those similarities kind of like help um, I guess add to the idea that how this is just like a daily life it's just ordinary mm-hmm. that's just how like that's mundane, reality that's yeah. how mundane all of this is technically uh-huh yeah for 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 colin or maybe a black man in that neighborhood yeah 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 i think this movie was overall very authentic um any other points to be made mm-hmm. no yeah i think we all definitely recommend watching this movie um really interesting movie not without, like, maybe some organizational flaws, but so many great scenes, so much great dialogue, so much great stuff to think about. Um, and with that, we will wrap up this episode. Um, so this wraps up today's episode of Drink and Discuss. If you would like to leave us a message, you can email us at drinkanddiscuss at gmail.com. That's drink, the letter N, discuss at gmail.com. You can also find the beautiful pictures of all our cocktails on our Instagram at drinkanddiscuss. That's also drink, the letter N, discuss. This has been Christine Kim and Karen Go and Tafari talking. <laughs> All right, see you next time. Sloppy seconds get a plate. I played a part of party rock a well. I painted like a rock a well. I rock a welfare line like I was headlining the rock a bells. Raising up the bar, these jumpers is far below. They want a rock star. Why you playing guitar hero?